never revealed the beatings. His only thoughts were to work hard at hiding his fears and to excel at school as a way to deflect any negative attention away from his family. His parents also had a plan. They would slowly and discreetly sell the rest of their possessions in order to pay the human smugglers for a safe passage out of Iraq. To protect Kadim, they did not tell him any part of the plot until the morning of their escape. When the family arrived in Kuwait, they were considered refugees, and it was hard for Kadim's father to find any income except through manual labor, despite his years as an oil engineer in Iraq. A few years after their escape, when his mother became ill with an incurable respiratory infection, his father was unable to afford the medical care she needed. Kadim was only seventeen when she died of pneumonia. By then, Kadim had adjusted to Kuwait and was again excelling in school. Although Kadim had wanted to quit school to help with the care of his mother, his father would not allow it. Education was the key to Kadim's ultimate freedom, his father insisted. When Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait in 1991, Kadim and his father were forced to move again, this time to Saudi Arabia. There they lived in a refugee camp for many months, until one day Kadim's father informed his son that he was ill with cancer, and that a doctor had informed him he did not have long to live. He told Kadim that he wanted to return home to Iraq to die, and he urged his son not to accompany him. Instead, he wanted Kadim to go to America, where he believed his hard work and intelligence would be noticed and respected. He asked Kadim to promise that he would never return to Iraq as long as Saddam Hussein was alive. People go to war to feel the passion of believing in something, his father said that day. You have to feel something to win a war, he said. And someday passion would defeat Saddam. Only then should Kadim return. When and where his father, Desmal, died, Kadim would never know but he did keep his promise. He soon began the long process of seeking asylum in America, and in 1995 he moved from a small town in Saudi Arabia to a Washington, D.C. suburb in Virginia. There he worked for years as a carpenter and did his best to push the past aside. But on April 9, 2003, after glancing up at a TV screen in a Washington restaurant, Kadim could think only of his family. What he saw were U.S. Marines and a small crowd of Iraqi citizens toppling a 20-foot statue of Saddam Hussein in central Baghdad. Kadim was spellbound. As the Marines secured the rope around the neck of the statue, Kadim began to feel the past in a way he had never before allowed, as if sensation had returned to a sleeping limb. The grief of losing his father, his mother, his brother, and his home— seemed to be surfacing in one sudden moment. If Saddam Hussein had never lived, his parents might still be alive. His family could be living in Iraq, near to one another, likely in Basra. Perhaps he would be sharing an apartment with his brother, and surely he would have experienced the higher education his father had planned for him. As he watched the statue fall, he knew that he had to return to Iraq. For Kadim, the fallen statue released enough passion within him to win five wars. 
By summer, Hadim had enlisted in the U.S. Army and was quickly sent to Fort Bragg, North Carolina for special forces training. Essential components of counter-terrorist strategies, special forces soldiers were highly valued assets in the new wars of the 21st century. What qualified Qadim were his language skills, which included fluency in Farsi, Arabic, and English. During his training, rigorous as it was, Qadim, a muscular, stocky man in excellent physical condition, felt that he had discovered a new universe, one where all that he had endured and learned in the past could be applied to a higher purpose. His helter-skelter background and his unrelenting hatred for Saddam Hussein were useful now. In fact, by the time he was deployed to Iraq, he had begun to believe that his life, plagued as it was by an instinct of endless distrust, was changing.